listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Well, welcome everyone to The Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And on the line, we have Mr. Walter Ward III, founder and CEO of the Mobile Business School, right here based in Detroit, Michigan. And we're going to talk about the business and other aspects of Walter's life story and everything like that. So, Walter, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I want to say thank you for uh, inviting me to be on the podcast and allowing me to kind of share my story and talk a little bit about the Mobile Business School. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming on board, man. Really appreciate it. So let's talk about Walter Ward III, your life story, where you grew up, you know, where you're born and raised and your life experiences up to this point. Um, are you born and raised in Detroit, Michigan? Yeah, so I was born in Detroit, uh, actually in, south, in southwest Detroit. So we're on the border of Lincoln Park in Detroit, on Annabelle and Otter Drive, uh, for anyone who knows about uh, the southwest side of Detroit. And uh, really, you know, my early years were really just about being in Detroit. Um, so we lived there. Uh, and then uh, my parents, we moved eventually to over on Outer Drive and uh, off a street called Minock yep. uh, on the west side. And, uh, you know, went to Detroit Public Schools, Cook Elementary. Uh, eventually, uh, my parents actually put me in private school. Uh, the church that we were going to had a school. Uh, so eventually they put me in that school. And just really, that just had a regular, normal life. You know, nothing was, you know, anything out the normal or, you know, I didn't have a terrible story or anything like that. Um, my parents ended up getting divorced when I was about 10. And uh, my father uh, moved to, what is that, uh, Seven Mile and Grand River. So still in the Grand River area, but a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a different part of Grand River, I'll say it that way. And then uh, my mom actually moved out to the suburbs. So I always had this real strange dichotomy where I felt comfortable in the city and in the burbs. And even as an adult now, I'm pretty comfortable in whatever environment that I find myself in. And um, eventually uh, I got a scholarship to a school called Detroit Country Day. And, and that really was transformative for my life. Uh, it really just kind of exposing me to a different aspect of life that I, that I hadn't seen up until that point. And, uh, you know, that led me to Michigan State University and, you know, uh, go green, go white. And uh, graduated from Michigan State in 2002. Uh, started my professional career um, in sales. So, actually, when I was graduating from Michigan State, uh, there was a recruiter from AT&T, the Yellow Pages, and she recognized my name. My name is Walter Ward III. So, obviously, my father's name is Walter Ward Jr. And, uh, my father had worked for AT&T some years before, and she really brought me into the interview because she was curious if I was his son. Mm. And I was like, I am. And, you know, eventually I got that job, and that was like lesson number one uh, was, you know, the importance of a name. So I felt like, you know, it was a great gift for my father. At that point, you know, he had passed on, but, you know, his name actually got me my first job, and I thought that, it's something that's pretty cool, and I've been on a quest to to make my name great, and those have come after me ever since. Yeah, man, that's a wonderful story because the thing is, what you're talking about is really a legacy, and I think that most people 
have to understand what legacy really means. And and just mm-hmm. by the blessing of your dad, you know, to be able to carry on his name and have his name mean something to somebody else outside of your immediate family, that's a lot, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you went to school, what did you, what, what was your concentration in studying? What, what did you major in? Yeah, so when I was at State, um, I wanted to go into the business school. And the way it worked at that time is the first two years, you're your general studies, and then, your sophomore year, you apply to the business school and the marketing program is what I wanted to do. And then the, your last two years, you're in the marketing program. But my grades weren't that great, bro. They were not that great. Yeah. So the business school would not accept me. And uh, the other route that I had, I was like, I want to do this marketing thing. And at that time, I read this book called Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And the theme of the book was learning how to sell, basically. So... I found out what advertising is similar to marketing, and that's all about sales. So I ended up going to uh, the School of Communication Arts and getting my undergraduate degree uh, in advertising. The irony is that, you know, many years later, I would go to Emory Business School and get an MBA in finance. And I also thought that was kind of funny that I couldn't get into uh, Michigan State's undergraduate business school, but I ultimately ended up going to, you know, this prestigious business school to get my MBA later on. So um, another lesson is that, you know, where you start and sometimes the skills that you think you don't have, you can develop along the way and, yep. uh, you know, you, you get them that way as well. Yeah, that's a that's great, too. Um, yeah, and, and I can relate because I had some similar journey in terms of my college education. You know, I went, um, started engineering under computer science and had to change mm. because I almost, almost flunked out of that, but the thing is what I did was I changed majors and went to the business school and I majored in economics. And what happened at that time, it used to be where um, there was a dual, you, you could, you, the economics degree was probably the one of the very few ones you could actually have a dual concentration. You could either go through liberal arts or through business. And I chose business. And it was, ironically, I just squoze in. Be, I just, I just was able to squeeze in because what happened was uh, I think a maybe a semester, maybe a year and a half after that, they closed the whole business school model of economics and just put it under liberal arts by itself. So yeah, I know. Oh, what you, wow. Yeah, I know what you're saying about that business school aspect because the business school is really the business school is really uh, a very great place to learn about how to run a business and learn the different tricks of the trade in terms of accounting and marketing and everything else. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you were able to to get up in there and learn all of that stuff because that's very crucial. Absolutely, absolutely. So then, and then that goes into what um, the next question I have is: so you ended up after graduating college. It looks like you you tell me because you you know this is your story. But when did you develop the mobile business school and how did you start it? Yeah, so it's an interesting story, man. So. My early years, right after college, you know, I worked in sales. Like, you know, my first job was for the Yellow Pages, designing ads for yellowpages.com and the actual Yellow Pages book and selling those um, those ads, man. And that, that was my first job. Eventually, what ended up happening was I got a, a job at LaSalle Bank, which is now part of the Bank of America. Yeah. And it was in sales. I was selling this voluntary employee benefit program that they had uh, to middle market companies. And for those that don't know, middle market companies are basically 
companies that are not quite small businesses, but they're not quite large businesses. Usually, you know, they're still run by the person that founded it or their family or something like that, but they might employ, you know, 50 or a hundred people or whatnot. So I was selling, selling uh, the product to those businesses. I had a coworker that left and went to JP Morgan Chase. Uh, and when he left, he called me and was like, hey, they're looking for somebody to do the same thing, but they want to do it for Detroit, for Chase. So I was like, cool. So I ended up doing the same thing at Chase. And uh, I was based in downtown Detroit at uh, Chase Tower, which I, I think now is Quicken Loans, uh, you know, headquarters down here. But Chase is still there. Yep. And um, my office was on the ninth floor. And there was like a little promenade that was right above the branch. Okay. And I knew that everyone that went into that little promenade area, they were all dressed nice and they had suits and they did stuff for the bank that I didn't know what they did. Right. And uh, they ended up being that that was the commercial bank. I met somebody in the commercial bank. And uh, when Chase bought Washington Mutual back in 2009, uh, that was my opportunity to, to join the commercial bank. And I was there for two years and, you know, I met some people and did well there, and that led to another opportunity. And then, by the way, I left Detroit to move to Atlanta for that job. Okay. And that opened up an opportunity for me to move to Chicago with the bank to join the International Cash Management Group. And at that point, I realized that for me to move forward any further, I needed to get my MBA. So that brought me back to Atlanta, to Emory, to get my MBA in finance. And uh, eventually, I spent the summer – uh, after graduating, working for an investment fund in D.C., and then I had my job uh, in New York where I was a consultant for two years. And in that job, part of my responsibility was to do a bunch of workshops and presentations. So over the course of two years, I, I literally had done, you know, no joke, hundreds of presentations. Uh, so when I left New York in 2016 and moved back to Detroit, um, I joined a fellowship here, like a leadership development fellowship, and they were like, hey, you got to think of what your give back project is going to be to the city while you're here. And it should be something that combines your passions with your skills and what you know about. So I was like, I know a lot about business and I've done a bunch of these workshops. And what I didn't say is, by the way, I am a three-time entrepreneur, like going back to, to – uh, to college, I've always had some sort of side business that I've been, you know, dabbling in. So that was the the genesis of all that together. That that fellowship forced me to come up with the concept of the mobile business school. And uh, originally it was called the Pop Up MBA. And I did a, a test workshop with 13 of my friends, and I basically was using the the same content that I learned when I was in New York, and I would use to do those workshops. And uh, just kind of refined it. And then from there, you know, went from 13 to now, you know, it's been over 3,000 people that have, like, you know, come through a class or some sort of event or whatnot. So, okay. So, yep. yeah, that's great, man. So, um, when it comes to the, the mobile business school, what services do you provide? Yeah. So, really, you know, it's a couple things. So, the mobile business school, even though it is a business, I jokingly say that it's not a business. It's more of a platform. Uh, and that platform, I offer in-person classes and primarily the in-person classes that you know, I offer, they're designed to be very accessible. So 
you know, it goes from anywhere from being free all the way up to say, you know, 40 or $50 for a seat. And then those classes are typically about, you know, two and a half to three hours long. And I'm teaching either core business acumen. So literally, you know, how do you write a business plan? But I'm really talking about business design and we get into, you know, how the financials work and marketing and all that good stuff. Um, and then also I bring other subject matter experts to talk about personal finance topics, like how to buy stock, how to invest, that kind of thing. And then I have some online courses that I use uh, that I host actually through Udemy, udemy.com. Uh, and typically it's the same content that we offer in the live classes. It just happens to be a digital version. And then lastly, uh, I offer services like where I'll, I'll actually write the business plan for you. So I actually have three clients that I'm working with right now that I'm, I'm literally working with them, writing the business plan for them, coaching them throughout the whole process of how they're redesigning their business or setting up the business. And then on top of that, because it is a platform, it's opened up a lot of doors for me to do speaking engagement. So I've done a lot of work with the United Negro College Fund. Uh, I'm actually doing a, uh, doing some new work with this organization called the Surge Institute. Um, so a couple, couple of different things that uh, the Mobile Business School has actually allowed me to do, but those are the core things that we offer. Okay. Now, in terms of curriculum, uh, maybe a certification or anything like that, what is what does the Mobile Business School offer that either is similar to other institutional other institutions as far as schools and academics or different because the thing when I think about mobile business school I'm thinking about a portable place where I can go and get everything I need to get an MBA or some type of diploma do you do you offer that kind of completion or do you just like kind of give them like support courses how, how does your program work yeah that's a good question man um so we don't offer any type of certification or anything like that uh basically the way that it's designed is to be the opposite of traditional school. So for example, and by the way, I'm not saying that school is not important. I'm not saying that business school is not important. I have an MBA. It would be hypocritical for me to say that. So I'm not right. saying that. Right. But um, what I can say is that typically business school is very theoretical. There's not a whole lot of practice. You know, it's, it's a lot of topical things and they kind of leave it up to you to kind of take what you learn and apply it to real life. Yeah. So the classes for the mobile business school are all designed around themes and they're things that you can use right away. And as a matter of fact, the way the content is written, it forces you to use it right away. Okay. So what I mean by that is um, we use a lot of frameworks and we force you to think through your business with these frameworks. So uh, one framework is that every business, no matter what it is, has exactly three core components and that's sales, operations, and finance. Sure. So we talk about what that means, and we walk people through the concept of that, and we help them kind of see, if you're able to see your business through this lens, that actually kind of transforms the way you see the world, right, and how you operate your business. Uh, another framework that we use is something called the profitability framework, and that is basically, if you think about it, profit equals your sales minus your cost, right? Right, right. And sales is three things. It is price times volume with consideration of something called sales mix, which is basically the variables of the things that you sell. So that's three things. Right. And then costs are only two things. They're fixed and variable costs, right? So they're really, if you want to drive more profit, there are really only five things you can do. And it doesn't matter if you're Jamie Dimon 
head of J.P. Morgan Chase or, you know, you're running, you know, a beauty salon, you know, out of your home. At the end of the day, there are only five things you can do to drive profit. And understanding that framework kind of helps you, again, see your business in a different way. So that's what makes the mobile business go a little bit different is that we focus on these frameworks and everything is um, uh, designed for you to use right away, right? You're going to practice it right away in the class and you'll be able to use it right away once you leave, regardless of what your educational background is. Okay. Now, now I know you mentioned earlier about working with clients. So the people that come through and attend the courses, are they more clients than students? I mean, because it seems like they're people who are craving for information and they come to you to find out more. And then once they take a workshop or a class, then then they are like, okay, then I can go out here and apply this. So is, is it that you have clients coming in? Do you have students coming in? How, how is that set up? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, just like any business, the mobile business school is set up on a funnel, right? So um, 75% of the tickets that I give out are free tickets, right? Right. So majority of the people that get free tickets are not going to show up. I know that they know it too when they get it, right? They're just getting it because it's free. Right. Um, but what it does do is it actually drives velocity on Facebook and Instagram when people are getting those tickets. That's a whole other conversation with how the, the algorithms for those platforms work. But those free tickets, some people do show up. They show up, they say, hey, this was really good content. And they realize, you know, hey, I want, I want more of this. So the next class that comes around, they may actually buy a ticket. And when they buy a ticket, you know, they're kind of a little bit more bought in. And they may come to the workshop and they say, you know what, this was really good content. Even more, I liked it even more than when I came last time. And they're like, hey, Walt, I want to like, you know, record this. And of course, I say no, but you can check out my online course. Yeah. So they may they may pay for that, and they might go through the online course and say, hey, this is really great content. I can use this right away. The thing is that I actually just want you to do it for me. So then there's a select amount of people that may come back and say, hey, can you actually coach me through writing this business plan or can you actually do it for me? Um, and that's kind of where they, the, the student turns into the client, if you will. Okay. Yeah, it's an innovative concept because it's like disrupting the education system because normally when well, you went to school and got your degrees and, and, you know, you go through a program, multi-month, multi-week program, semesters, length, and then – most of it, you know, like you know yourself, most of it's in theory. So you're thinking, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I know, I understand supply and demand. I understand, you know, profit and loss. But does that apply to me when I'm in the hood and I'm trying to sell my beauty services to people around the corner? You know, it's it's a whole right. give and take with it. Um, the question I wanted to ask too about that is that when you what what kind of mix of students and clients do you get because i noticed um on the mobile business website that it seems like a lot of people come through bamboo detroit to get the workshops in you know if they want to have physical you know representation and 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 meet somebody and listen to the actual workshop so what what kind of people what kind of people come through your program man all sorts of people man It, it surprises me you know when i when i initially started it i was like hey i think this is going to be something that millennials like. And I think it's going to be people that, you know, look primarily like me. But what I found is a lot of times, you know, it's older people, 
you know, it's people who don't look like me. It's a very diverse mix of people that come to the workshop. Some of them are people that are professionals who work in other industries or who have, you know, jobs that, you know, pay good money where they're, they're educated people. And then there's some people who don't know anything and they're just like, you know, hey, I saw this ad or, you know, someone told me about it and I just want to come and, and check out what what you have to say. But what's really interesting to me is to see that mix of people. I've had, you know, older white gentlemen, you know, uh, all the way down to, to high school kids, you know. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's, yeah. ex- that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's it's great. You have it's that. Crazy. Yeah. But it's great that you have that that much of a mix because that means your your service is very universal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Now. How did you get started with, I mean, what propelled you to start the mobile business school? Yeah, so, like, it literally was the fellowship. So uh, when I lived in Atlanta, there's an organization called New Leaders Council. And New Leaders Council is basically, for lack of a descriptive term, lack of another descriptive term, is the talent bench for the democratic party. I'll say it like that. So basically the way this fellowship works is in every major city, they choose 20 people to go through the six month fellowship and they meet on the weekends. And it's all about how, um, you know, there's, there's a political element to it. There's a personal skill development element to it. There is all these different elements that they're teaching you. But one of the things that you have to do when you're in the program is you have to have, a project that you're working on. So when I was in Atlanta, all the cool kids, if you will, were part of this fellowship. So mm. when I moved back to Detroit and realized that there was, you know, uh, the fellowship was here as well, you know, I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, Latanya Garth, who was actually in the fellowship. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to do this. You know, I knew about it in Atlanta. And she basically, you know, kind of uh, pointed me to the right direction of how to get into the fellowship did it and once i got in uh the first day uh they made us read this book called life entrepreneurs and life entrepreneurs is all about how do you combine the things that you're passionate about with the things that you're skilled at right yeah and uh they make you do an exercise called uh you know dream up your perfect day where you literally have to sit down and think about what your perfect day looks like and list out what you're doing and who you're doing it with and, you know, what type of activities were you involved in? So I did it. And what came out on the other end of that process was the early version of the mobile business school. I just knew Mm. that I was talented at speaking. I knew that I have um, this, this knowledge about business from a practical you know, standpoint of actually being an entrepreneur and having gone through that process, but at the same time, also working not just in a corporate environment, but in a corporate environment where, you know, I've been educated, like, for example, my, um, in business school, my, my IT professor actually worked on the first internet, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he actually, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, my strategy professor actually worked (laughs) in crafting strategy for the automotive industry. So all these different things, I had this very unique perspective as an entrepreneur and as a professional and just kind of seeing how the world was evolving and uh, that coupled with the love to, to speak and connect with people kind of, you know, brought, 
brought the mobile business school together. Okay. So, so what inspired you, what inspires you to actually do this kind of work? Like I, I know that you probably could do anything you want. You could own a service business, a business that makes products, but what inspired you to create a school for people? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, so first of all, I'm a double hustler. So I, I have a day job as well. Right. So, um, and by the way, my recommendation to any entrepreneur, people don't like it when I say this, you know, but it's, it's the truth. If you can do both, you should do both. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause you gotta have the steady income coming in. Yeah. And, and people start businesses for different reasons. So it, it never was a thing to me where it was like, Oh, I need to, um, I'm trying to escape my job or like, you know, uh, it's just a pure money play. It was never anything like that for me. It was all about purpose and um, doing something that was fulfilling for me. Yeah. Um, and it, just, it just so happened that it generated uh, money, right? So what inspired me really was thinking it back to how I felt. I mentioned how when I was in Chicago before, how I was working in international treasury for the bank, and I realized that I didn't know anything. I need to go get my MBA. And it was a horrible feeling to me because people didn't have time to teach me, you know, and I was the only African-American, you know, and it wasn't like people were being racist or anything like that. It was just no one had time to educate to educate me on the things that I needed to know at that point. Sure. Um, basically, what had happened was I had talked my way into that position, right? So it was a relationship-driven thing. And I got in this role really before I probably should have gotten it, right? Yeah. Um, but it ended up being it ended up being a blessing because I realized that okay, I need to go and get the education to make me qualified to sit in that chair in the first place. Sure. But that feeling of not knowing is what made me feel, hey, I can bring this information to people who don't know. And the other part was when I first moved back. I mean. You know, you're from here. You you you've seen how Detroit is. Everyone is entrepreneurial, right? Yep. And what I what I realized is that I would talk to people, and they would have these really great ideas, but horrible ideas when it came to actually executing on it. Right. And I'd be like, man, that's a horrible idea. I, I was thinking in my head, like, man, that's about to blow up. You know? <laughs> yeah, they about to fail, right? They they about to pay some prices for that one. You know what I mean? But you know you can't say that to everybody without sounding like a hater. So I was like, Hey, I can do these workshops yeah. to teach the core skills that everyone should know. And, and, and maybe that's my, my way of, of giving back. Sure. Oh yeah, definitely. The edu- education in any form is always a form of giving back because you, you're giving people the seeds that they need as far as knowledge. Yeah. 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 Now, as far as you personally, man, did you always know that you'd be an entrepreneur or a doer? Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I was a kid, you know, uh, <laughs> my aunt stayed with my grandmother and I would go over there and I would go into her room. I would take all her stuff and I'll put price tags on them Yeah, and then try to sell it back to her. Wow. You know, or like, uh, my mom, my mom taught at, a, a actually a, a, a business school, like a, I think it was Dorsey. Yeah. Yep. Dorsey. And uh, when she would teach at night, you know, she would pick me up from school and she would go and teach the class and I would want candy and pop. And she wouldn't give me money for it. So what I would do is I would draw pictures yeah. and I'd photocopy it 
And then I would sell the photocopies to her students for 10 cents. Wow. And that's how I would hustle up on the money. So, like, I've, I've always been that guy when I was at State, you know, uh, my my senior year, I started a company called Blue Flame, throwing parties. Okay. And that's how I paid for my living expenses my uh, last year at Michigan State University. So I've always had the hustle in me, you know what I mean? Um, so I always knew that no matter what was happening in my life, there always would be something entrepreneurial. And even to this day, um, I work in corporate strategy. Uh, for for a company, and you know, I, I do I do okay. I do okay in my my job, okay. but even though I do okay, I still got the hustle in me, and that's why there's the mobile business school. Oh, so wow. even if I was C- CEO of of Ford, I still would have <laughs> some entrepreneurial pursuits going on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that that's and that's a great approach to have. Um, in terms mm-hmm. of leaders coming up, people looking at entrepreneurship, things like that. What advice would you give to people who are looking to step into entrepreneurship and maybe even leadership? Yeah. So I would say any idea, test it first. So like your gut reaction is to always jump in head first and do that. Um, Take small bets. So figure out ways that you can test your ideas first before you commit to doing it all the way. Right. Um, that that's what large corporations do when they're testing new products and ideas. Take small bets and test first before you commit. You know the whole house to it. Um, I would say also um, multiple streams of income. So until one is just demanding your time, you know, double hustle, triple hustle, quadruple hustle all you can. Um, and then two, you know, have a solid, you know. Also know why you're doing it. Is it a money play for you? Is it about building a platform to help you do something else? Is it about developing a certain skill set? Is it about fulfillment? Right. You know, having a, a defined sense of why you're doing it um, is really important um, because that gives you a picture of what success looks like. Because a lot of times people, they fail at whatever they're trying to execute on because they don't know what success looks like. And to get that picture of success, you got to know why you're doing it. Uh, and then lastly, I would say, um, personal financial management is really, really, really important. Like otherwise you're going to be bleeding money all over the place. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and the, you know, you're talking to a guy who's learned that the hard way, uh, you know, financial management, personal financial management before you get into business is very important. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that. And I was going to ask you this, just uh, in terms of uh, adding to the subject matter. Let's say you got somebody who doesn't say, well, I don't know how to do that. You know, like you'll say, well, you know, you, you give them a concept in terms of marketing, for example, or something like that. What what if they say to you, well, I don't know. I mean, how do you, how do you overcome that hurdle in getting them to understand what they need? Because some people are kind of resistant, not – by nature because of what you're presenting, but just the fact that it's the change factor people are not used to. So how, how do you overcome that through which, what your efforts are? Yeah. So like, for example, we have a new workshop that we launched this year called the double hustle, right? The art of building a side hustle while working at a job that you love and maybe not so much. Right. And 
what's really important in that is that before we start talking about business or anything like that, we force people to sit down to think about the next 12 months and say, who do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? And what do you want to have? Right. Right. And then we, we do an exercise and we force them. We translate that do be and have down to an actual number. And then we build the business to hit that number. And what's interesting is that when you force people to think about their life in that way, in that, that granular of a way of who they want to become and what they want to be doing, what they want to have, it helps them understand the concepts later, right? Because people, you know, what I found is that people, people are smart. Yep. If they understand how it actually affects them, they'll learn about it more. They'll, they'll understand it more. So, you know, my role as a facilitator, a coach, a teacher is to get people to see how it affects them. And sometimes you got to, you know, paint the picture for them. Another way that I do it is actually pure concepts. So like we typically don't talk numbers in our workshops. So we don't talk about, um, uh, you know, we talk about financial statements and the, and the concepts of them, but we don't force people to create a, a a balance sheet or create an income statement. We talk about things in concepts and people tend to get it when you take the scary part away of it. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I mean, because from what I'm understanding, what you're telling me, the practical application is the most important because this seems like a concept for people who either already have a degree or just want to get whatever they need to know to help improve their business or service or people who haven't gone to school. And, you know, a lot of times when you're older and let's say you haven't been to school in 15, almost 20 years, and then you want to go back mm-hmm. to get an MBA or an advanced degree, it's tougher because then you're older, you're working, you have, maybe you have family with kids. It's harder, it's harder to adjust the lifestyle versus when you're fresh out of high school. So it, it, it appears for me, it's, it, it's, it's a thing of the mobile business school provides a need for for basic, specific, practical application. And I think that a lot of times with schooling, that's what's needed for people because if I don't own a business, you know, I'm not, you know, I may be able to touch on all matters because as, as entrepreneurs, we have to do that. Mm-hmm. But let's mm-hmm. say I'm, I'm not good at, because I've heard people say, I'm not good at numbers. I don't like math. Or I'm not good mm-hmm. with, with accounting. I don't like accounting. I hate accounting. So then... Mm-hmm this method helps them to overcome that hurdle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all conceptual, man. You know, and that's, you hit the nail right on the head. You know, when I think about, uh, for me, business school, business school is two years, right? Right. It, it was, it was taking two years out of my life to focus my efforts on learning business. And, that's great. Like I, I ultimately went into consulting and, you know, I work in strategy now and that experience was vital for me to be able to do that. I could not do what I do today um, without that experience, but everybody doesn't want to go that route. Some people are like, man, I just need to know what I need to know to run my business better. Right. And for them, they don't got time to go to school for two years and nor should they. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Not to mention the cost. It costs a lot of money. Oh yeah. To go to school. Oh yeah. So some people don't don't need to take on that that level of debt and finance costs. They just need to know the basics. Okay. And that's uh, 
that's what we're here for. Now, in terms of the actual physical, you know, interaction kind of workshops, I noticed, like, especially on the website, you have a lot of pictures at Bamboo. How did you come across being involved with Bamboo Detroit? Yeah, so that's actually a really interesting story, man. Um, I have a mentor, Hodge Flemings. Hodge Flemings, when I was a youth at church, he was my youth leader. Okay. And, uh, you know, he, I thought he was a cool guy because he designed sneakers and yeah. I was sneakers. Yeah. And uh, he was just super cool. And eventually, he was an engineer by trade. He, you know, is an engineer by trade. Eventually, he ended up writing this book called Brand You. And he started this thing called Brand Camp University. And now he's doing all these crazy things across um, the country. He's He's got, he does a lot of work with, uh, uh, what's I'm trying to think of the name of the website company? Um, WordPress. WordPress. He does a lot of work with WordPress. He's doing all these different things. And when I came back to Detroit, it just so happened he mentioned something about going to a, uh, an open house for Bamboo. It was right as Bamboo was opening. And uh, I said, cool. So I came. And uh, when I came, I met um, Amanda's now fiance. And uh, I was just kind of telling him, you know, about what I was trying to do. And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. He was like, you need to meet Amanda. I met Amanda and, uh, you know, got a membership here. And the rest is, is kind of history. So I do do a lot here. Um, but I do also do a lot of work in Atlanta and a lot of work in D.C. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've done uh, a number of workshops, you know, at another co-working space. I'll say it that way. Um, okay you know, as well, but, uh, you know, Bamboo is home. Yeah. Great people, great energy, great support. You know, just yep. being a part of that family means a lot because there's a lot of support there. Um, and, mm-hmm. and because you have such a wide-ranging mix of entrepreneurs and businesses set up there, I mean, you never know who you meet, you know. Um, never know. Yeah, and, and then all the different events that are there you know, between different people. Some people have events that are not even members, but what they provide yep. is, is is worth its weight in gold, you know. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And people people recognize it, you know. Um, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's a certain type of entrepreneur that recognizes it. And that, that to me, that type of entrepreneur is right in vain for the, the type of people that are drawn to my workshop. So I love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Well, glad to have you part of the family, man. That's the most important thing right there. Absolutely, absolutely. So since you're born and raised here, even though you do business in other parts of the country, what's your take on the Detroit entrepreneurship scene and, you know, with tech and and retail and everything else? I mean, because I've I've asked most of my guests, if not all, about the whole energy of Detroit, and it seems like the common theme from everybody, including myself, is that there's a resurgence that everybody can feel. There, there's a, there's an energy there where people, you can really feel people wanting to work together, people actually working together from different backgrounds and lifestyles and whatnot. So what, what do you think about it in terms of your involvement since you've been downtown and doing things, and what's your take on the future of it? Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I have a really interesting point of view. So, and I preface this by saying, from Detroit, but I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in Atlanta, I've lived in D.C., I've lived in New York, and then, you know, returned here. Um, what I like about the entrepreneurship 
seen here in Detroit is that it is interconnected. So unlike other cities um, where you can't get to the players, like in New York, you can't easily get to the players, right? You can't easily connect with the people that are doing things. Right. Um, but in Detroit, you can. Um, in Atlanta, you know, it's there. things happen in different pockets. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but in Detroit, you know, it's not hard to find out who's doing what. You know, everyone kind of knows each other. So I love that energy. It's very um, – it's set up in such a way that a lot of people can participate. Um, there's a lot of makers, you know, people doing things, just building things. I like that. It yeah. kind of fits with the city's ethos. Yeah. Um, and the future of it, I think, uh, you know – as more investment dollars come to the city and as people move to the city, you know, I think that's going to drive the, you know, the entrepreneurial scene further, even more. I think a couple of things that are really important that need to, um, to happen in Detroit. I want to make sure that the entrepreneurial scene is inclusive because it seems like, you know, in certain aspects that that inclusivity is not, um, always embraced i'll say it that way you know what i mean right uh, right right yeah so i think that's very important also think it's important to uh to have it diverse like that we need more sophisticated tech oriented businesses to come to detroit and we need uh we need some big wins in detroit so you think about quicken loans at some point was a startup in detroit or in metro detroit yep we need we need those type of large wins, you know. When you look at dual security, that that's a big win. Yep. You know, particularly out out of uh, Bamboo, we need more of those large wins and more partnerships with larger companies outside of the outside of the retail world. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing is, the more big wins we have, the more serious other areas will take it. I mean, people know that Detroit is going to come up, and we're serious about it, and we creating a lot of strides and, and making a lot of wins in, in various areas. But I think that if we have more of those quote unquote, and especially in the tech world, quote unquote unicorns, the ones going mm-hmm. for $1 billion, $2 billion or $500 million or whatever. I think the more we have of those, then people are be like, Oh, what is really going on in Detroit? They really are doing some things. And you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And then, and then as far as like, if you were to tell uh, if, if if there's a company you came across in another part of the country or another state and they were thinking about, you know, what's the going on in Detroit and being a part of the scene and coming here, what 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 would you be able to tell them as far as the strengths of locating here and some of the energy and opportunities they could they could be a part of? What what would you say to that? I would say to them that, you know, coming here early, coming now, even though to us it doesn't seem early it's still early in the resurgence of Detroit. So coming here now is placing a bet on the future. It allows them to to take um, hold in a, in a city that's coming back in a city that has uh, a culture and a vibe that's kind of unique. You know, you think of like, uh, you know, Austin, Texas, I mean, Detroit is not Austin, Texas, but that quirkiness that's kind of developed in, in Austin or that, uh, that, unique vibe that you get when you go to Seattle. Yeah. You know, Detroit has its own version of that and, and people coming here get a chance to do that. I would say also 
particularly for companies that are involved in transportation or have uh, things that are heavy, uh, heavily weighted towards engineering, I think Detroit is a great city for that. It's also a great city for things that are real estate related that, that require, you know, a large real estate footprint. You know, I think Detroit is great for that. Uh, and then things that um, require laborers to make things. Sure. Detroit is great for that as well. So anyone that's in those spaces, I would say you need to be here right now, yesterday to take part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Because, you know, the, the data shows that we have the highest production of engineers per capita than anywhere else in the country or the world. So mm-hmm. you, you figure, figure most people, when they first started out, they were either geared towards the work manufacturing or the automotive industry. But regardless of that, the, the point is that they, they are geared towards the engineering aspect and the engineering field. So we have so many people who are engineers. And I think what's nice about it is that I think we're going to see a surge of disrupting the whole engineering model. People think engineers are just some nerdy people sitting in some office or some type of lab, <laughs> but it's, it's more than engineering is a thought process. It's not, it's more than just hard science. It's, it's, it's the way you think, the way you analyze and everything else. And I think that that, mm-hmm. the, uh, that coupled with the fact that there's more creativity in engineering now than ever, because of technology advancing, it helps the whole, the whole notion of changing its head on what people think about being an engineer. So that helps too. I think I think that helps Detroit because we got a lot of creative people here, a lot of talented people here, both with anal- analytics and creativity. So then you have that wonderful blend and mix. And I like what the, the fact what you said about the each each area has its own culture. And we have a culture here that's different from other people. And I think that mm-hmm. he, when you're here, you don't think about it because you're doing it. But we do have right. a culture, and I think a lot of people. I don't think we've identified as a whole, as a community, what that culture is because we're doing it. It is hard to to speak. Like if I get up and wake up and eat breakfast, you know, I can't speak on every step I make getting up and eating breakfast. I just do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of life that people here have that you probably just have to be an outsider to come in and observe, maybe take notes on because, you know, it's very unique towards and as opposed to everybody else. Yeah. And then I mean, it, it definitely. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I say we definitely have our own vibe here. And, you know, to me, like, the grittiness is a definite play. You know what I mean? I think about, um, you know, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but yeah, yeah. The, bad, the, the bad boys era. Right. You know, the that mid-2000s team, yep. Pistons team with Rip Hamilton, where there was no stars, but they were just winning. Yeah. You know, that that to me is a good example of, of what Detroit is. You know, um the uh the Chrysler commercial with Eminem. Yeah. That that whole vibe, they 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 captured the ethos of Detroit well and I think um that's what's so cool about it. even uh going to the Sonola Hotel and kind of seeing, you know, this old building that's kind of been given this new life and uh, the craftsmanship that goes into the uh, the materials in the building, all that is so Detroit to me. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. And w- what's interesting that it's funny you mentioned that because as as of this recording, folks, you know we're we're in um, near the tail end of February, and this is the day after the Academy Awards. And I know that um, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie people, man, but the Farley Brothers they they've been doing like comedies and different type of um, movies for a number of years is Bob and Peter. So Peter won 
an Academy Award last night. And when he did his speech, he came up and said, yeah, and I got a watch from Shinola. Shout out to Detroit. I was like, wow. That that was yeah. that was that was dope, man. That was dope. Yeah, as a uh, as a matter of fact, when I was in New York, man, I, I wanted to get into watches, and, and the partner at the firm that I uh, I was working for, I was asking, I was like, man, how do I know what watch to get? Yeah, and he was like, you know, your first watch, he's like, you get a watch that tells a story about who you are. Yeah, so I was like, man, that's great. So that weekend, I went in and I bought a Shinola a Shinola watch. Yeah, and uh. For the most part, I have other watches, but I I rock a Sonola watch most of the time. I got one on right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's more about it's more than the product. It's more about identifying with what's going on. Exactly, exact. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, man. That's exactly what it is. So, Sonola, send me a check. Right, right. <laughs> shout out to my people, Sonola. Shout out to my right. man, Hodge Fleming. Shout out, shout out to my people. We're all re- mentioning here on the podcast. Hopefully, you all listen to it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, in terms of people that are here or maybe not here and thinking about maybe coming and getting involved, what would you say to listeners out there that are thinking about getting involved with our ecosystem here? What would they need to do? Um, one, be genuine. So it's it's a very, you know, things are people-related, right? So people want to do business with people that they like. Right. So I'll say, number one, be genuine, be friendly. Uh, number two, bring value. A lot of times people only want to take, right? They only want to take, they, only, they know what they want, but they don't think about what that person needs. So if people approach situations saying, what kind of value can I bring to this situation? How can I help out here? And genuinely just want to help without, you know, any, without looking for anything else to come from it, they're going to find themselves in situations that benefit them. Yeah. And then lastly, I would say is have a perspective, right? So, um, and to have a perspective, you got to know a little something. So know something about the city, know about the history of the city. Uh, one thing that really burns me up um, is when people act like, you know, they've been here forever, you know what I mean? And I'm, you know, I'm from here. I was born here, right? you know, and uh, there's a part of that too. Again, that's a whole nother conversation, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it's, it's an important thing that people need to realize that when they come to the city, they didn't discover anything. The city has been here. Yeah. It's just as new to them because they're new. And they, they're, it's like, you know, anything else, when you discover something new, your energy is like on a higher level, you know, beyond the peak. But exactly. it's, always, it's always been here. There's nothing new for it's us. It's always been here. Yeah. Uh, the Mongols was here before before I was born. Right, right. yeah. You know, these these entrepreneurs, you know, particularly a lot of these, these uh, black entrepreneurs were here before all this stuff, you know, I'm, we're sitting bamboo sits in the Julian uh, C. Madison building. Right. And he was here a generation before uh, we were. Yeah. Oz was doing what he was doing, you know, when I was in college. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And before Detroit was cool. Right. Uh, you know, so, I think that's important to recognize too. If you're going to be part of this ecosystem, you know, recognize that, you know, it's not like this just happened. This has been here right. for a while. Right. 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 And, and, and it's going to be here. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Right. As long as there's a city, there's going to be people in here trying to make money and to make money, they got to have a business. Right. So that's right. That's right. 
we got a few minutes left, man, before we get out of here. What's your contact information and give us the website address and your contact. Yeah, yeah. So they can check out uh, the Mobile Business School at themobilebusinessschool.com. Uh, so T-H-E mobilebusinessschool.com. Uh, they can get me on social media and all platforms. I'm pretty much at Walt Ward 3, so W-A-L-T-W-A-R-D 3. Um, or they can email me at founder at themobilebschool.com. So that's founder at themobilebschool.com. And uh, that's pretty much it, man. Okay. Thanks. Thanks much for that. That That's great. Uh, now, before we get out of here, man, any last thoughts or concerns? Anything you want to tell the listening audience? Uh, just really, I, I appreciate um, this opportunity. And I want to say that to anyone out there um, to keep going, you know, the, the single, single biggest uh, skill correlated with success is grit. And that's the ability to go beyond uh, when you feel like quitting. Um, and also understand that discipline is freedom. You know, in this day and age where entrepreneurship is kind of cool on social media and that kind of thing, um, people just kind of say, hey, I'm on the grind and I'm trying to hustle. And they're not really disciplined about it. And I just want to say, when you discipline yourself and you're able to push through what you're feeling, that discipline is freedom. And that freedom allows you to make the choices that you want. So, again, have some grit, be disciplined, and uh, be a nice person. Yeah, and those qualities go a long way. That goes a long way. Goes a long way. Well, Mr. Walter Ward III, I appreciate you, man, for being on the Doers Network, man. Really had a great conversation. And for those of you listening, I hope that you got a lot of good nuggets of information. Of course, as always, because it's recorded, you can rewind. You can play this over and over to get what you need. Make sure you contact Walter for the Mobile Business School services, the information, um, and, and again, Walt, thanks so much for being on the show. No problem. No problem. Appreciate it, man. No problem at all. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Network, where actors grow and thrive. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Doers Network and listening to our episode with Mr. Walter Ward III, founder and CEO of the Mobile Business School. For more information, you can go to www.themobilebusinessschool.com Again, that address is www.themobilebusinessschool.com. If you would like to reach Walter directly, you can email him at founder at themobilebschool.com. Again, that email address is founder, F-O-U-N-D-E-R, at themobilebschool.com. On all social media handles, you can reach him at at symbol waltward3. Again, that's at symbol w a l t. W-A-R-D, the number three. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, you can become a sponsor of the Doers Network. We have gold, silver and bronze packages available if you have a business you would like to promote you'll be able to reach over 10,000 listeners around the world each month at your fingertips so if you want to reach our audience of founders ceos innovators and leaders become a sponsor today 
For more information, email us at info at bamboodetroit.com. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.